grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good afternoon, everybody. We're on at noon today. I hope you're all having a great day. I know I am. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. Um, I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. We're based out of sunny Sacramento, California. And boy, it's sunny, all right. Starting to hit the 90s. Yikes. Uh, I call it hell on earth. But anyway, um, my, my, my paranormal team is located up and down the state of California, Washington, and Oregon. We have 45 people in the state of California. So if you have a paranormal issue, I forgot to push my buttons. Look at that. I have myself my buttons. So if you have a paranormal issue, give us a call. Give us a jingle. Send us an email. You can do it via the radio show, you know, CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. And we'll get it and we will get to you. Okay. You know, and we're not just out looking for ghosts. All right. We're out looking for things that could be causing the activity in your house. Debunking, doing that stuff. Because otherwise, it's a disservice to you. But anyway, we have enough people spread around the state that we can get to you no matter where you're located. So just, like I said, shoot, shoot us an email. I am or, or I am on Facebook Facebook or, whatever, or wherever you want to do it. Twitter, you know, because we have a Twitter. We have an Instagram. All that good stuff. Anyway, my guest today, I'm really excited. I used to watch him when he was on Ghost Hunters. And Ghost Hunters International. And he's an idol of mine. In fact, I, when I was first doing this, and, you know, as a paranormal investigator, you start gathering your equipment and all that stuff. And I remember it's pricey. People don't realize how pricey it is to be a paranormal investigator. All these things cost money. And one thing I wanted to do was be able to monitor the weather and, you know, be, the temperature and stuff in rooms. And I remember watching Ghost Hunters International and the way they did it, and I was so happy because they... Because they took these, these 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 weather monitors for single you know these these single weather monitors and then they, they would post them in rooms and then they'd have the like the main controllers like sitting on the command station. So I did that. So when I would go out, I had post-it notes on the main controllers to you know telling me which room they were in, and then I could watch the I, I could watch the weather, temperature, the humidity in the rooms. So I learned that from Ghost Hunters International. But uh, yeah, so. I'm real excited to have him on. And so without further ado, let's do this. Hello, sir. Charlotte, how are you? Thanks very much for having me on. Thank you for coming on. Like I said, you are an idol of mine. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's very kind to say. You know, and like I said, I, you know, like equipment's expensive. And you guys found ways on Ghost Hunters International to where you weren't. I mean, you were using high-end equipment, but some of it was, was affordable. Which yeah, like, yeah, it, it it was, and it often broke. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we had to think on our feet all the time. Absolutely. So, what have you been up to? Um, well, I've, I've been working away, um, writing books, still continuing continuing the research, um, but the research has grown somewhat, and has has pushed the boundaries beyond the world of the paranormal to incorporate. Um, um, avenues of ufology, of cryptozoology, and folklore, um, and uh, and I really, I really delved into my own country's uh, folklore and mythology uh, to understand what was going on and what our ancestors were encountering, and and was is it possible that that whatever they were encountering is still on the land today? And I have to say that that. You know, I, I've been doing the, the paranormal research for uh, for for over thirty years, and in the seven eight years that that we were doing uh, legend seekers, um, looking at studying our folklore, I've had more encounters and more extreme encounters doing that than I've had nearly in thirty years of of simply going to someone's house looking for for ghosts, and it reached a certain level where. I, I said to my co-author, I says, if we ever come across that again, we're like, I'm done, I'm retiring. Um, I don't need to be introduced to that. Um, but it, it has been a phenomenal journey to, to arrive at this point. 
Well, I can honestly say that I had my first case here in the here in the U.S. that involved fairies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at first, when the when my Senate, when my psychic came to me and said, "You know, it's fairies," I kind of looked at her and went, "Yeah, okay, whatever." You know, because <laughs> something you don't like over here, you don't come across that all the time. We don't yeah. have that for the fairies over here. Uh-huh. But then the more I looked into the case and the more we did it, the more I went, okay, yeah, okay, I, mm-hmm. I can see it fairies. But you, but over there where you're at, there's so much, there's so much folklore. There is, there's, there's a huge, huge amount of folklore, but we can learn from that folklore for, from, from the, the list of material and documentation that has, been, that has been left for us. And we can see the commonality between many of the different research fields and, mm-hmm. and what we're encountering today. So it's it's nothing new that we're that we're encountering. Our ancestors have been have been dealing with the same thing, but they left behind a well of knowledge that we have chosen to ignore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now there's stories of, of children being kidnapped by fairies. Mm, yeah, and taken, and taken underground, and and they've actually come out to talk about it, right? Yeah, there there have been encounters that that uh, that of course would go down that particular rabbit hole. Um, and there are some children that don't come back um and sometimes according to folklore um there would be a a changeling would be left in its place uh, a copy if you like but not quite the exact copy there was always something wrong with it and and shortly after the 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 old switcheroo had been made within about a month maybe two months that that particular copy um uh, ended up dying but the original child was gone uh, but there, there were ways and, um, in which we could defend ourselves against that particular type of phenomenon, um, and and that defense also is the same defense that we tend to use within ufology, within the folklore, within the jinn, the world of the jinn, and the old gods. That's what I found interesting when you were on the other show and listening to that because I believe that. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe in all of that stuff. I also believe that there's an alien link somewhere in there too. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that mm-hmm. there's deception going on because, you know, after going through a lot of alien cases and stuff, you know, or not going through, but reading stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of it that people are reporting, it sounds like ghost hauntings, mm-hmm. you know, because it, yeah. it'll, it'll get cold in the room. They'll come through the walls. You know, then I've always wondered about the EVPs anyway, because our, the EVPs, I mean, you get lucky you get a class a every once in a while but mm-hmm. the rest are either garbled or they sound like they're so far off you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. another dimension yeah 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 and, and that's that's the thing you know from from the research that we've done and, and and the recent book that i wrote the deception of gods and men it it really delves into this particular aspect and, and shows and exposes this commonality between a lot of the of, of the, the the fields and 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 also shows that that the source behind the majority of this phenomena is originating from one place, and and that and so when we when we readdress our our paradigm our perception to to cater for that uh, hypothesis, then things change, um, and uh, and and we tend to get um, a different perspective on things. And I, I think, you know, a lot of people who have read the book uh, were concerned. They were saying, should we not get involved with this phenomenon then? And I said, I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is to be cautious when dealing with this phenomenon. Understand that there is a high level, an exceptionally high level of deception when dealing with this phenomenon. Something will come across and say, oh, well, I'm your great aunt Bertha. Um, and, and, and we accept that. And there's something strange about the human race, uh, Charlotte, that when we go into this this form of communication and we end up establishing communication, mm-hmm. we could be told three lies and one truth. Mm-hmm. And we, we completely ignore the three lies and, mm-hmm. and focus on the one truth and accept mm-hmm. everything that comes along. We need to stop that. If it has lied to you before, it's going to lie to you again, and it will lead you down the garden path, as we say here in this side of the Atlantic. Absolutely, and you know what? What gets me is the people that use the ghost boxes, mm-hmm. and you know they're they're so. And I hate to say it because you know there's good friends of mine that 
that, that use those things, but they're so desperate for an answer. Yeah. They take yeah. anything that comes out of the thing and, and they twist it. And mm -hmm. you know, even if it's a lie, they're going to twist it. Yeah, um, and 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 even even when dealing with with EVPs, um, my wife who who works alongside me, um, she came up with this this fantastic idea that uh, if we end up safe with 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 a, a quite a quite a high level of of EVPs, good quality EVPs, well then we get people together and we 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 sit in in, in the group with a pen and a piece of paper, mm -hmm. and we will all at the same time listen to the responses coming through the EVPs. And we all write down what we think we are hearing. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to see um, what, what we're actually not hearing. Um, that, 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 that is a quite, quite a, th a thing to, to, to realize. And, uh, and even, even you know, e EVP in itself, um, it, it can really it can really play tricks with us that our minds can play tricks with us with EVP um, and start to fill in blanks where there was never meant to be anything filled in mm -hmm. um, and and that can lead to all sorts of manner of, of trouble and you know I, I go on online from time to time and I have a look at, at, at some um, of the various different uh, um, research teams that are out there and and they put up their EVP, um, replies and but they feel the need that they need to put the text underneath it so that we read what they're mm -hmm. saying. Mm -hmm. If an EVP is not clear, we shouldn't be adding text. Right. Um, if it if if it if it's not, if if it needs text, throw it out, um, and uh, and uh, and move on to the next one. It 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 can get better, um, but uh, we we really need to challenge what's coming through the veil. That's that's the premise of, of this next book, and um, we got to challenge it, um, and we got to establish good contact rather than any contact. Well, it's like you say. I mean, what I do if I get an EVP, I I send it out to all my team members to see what they get, and it's mm -hmm. interesting. It's kind of like that whole um, like when I was in journalism school and in police, you know, in police academy too. Mm -hmm. Somebody runs through a room real fast, mm -hmm. yeah, and then you write down what what you see, mm -hmm. and everybody mm -hmm. in the room. It's going to have something different, mm -hmm. and it's the same with the EVPs. Like you say, when you yeah. sit in that circle and they instantly write the stuff down, you're getting all these different responses mm -hmm. as to what people mm -hmm. heard. Yeah, and that's that's the problem with EVPs. Unless it's a really clear class A, I mean, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. pointless. Absolutely. Um, you were talking about aliens. You know, we talked about aliens a few minutes ago, mm -hmm. and the deception. You know, when you when when you go back in history. And you look at the Native Americans. You, you look at you know the the Druids, and you look at all these all these different societies. Mm -hmm. They all have similar pictures mm -hmm. and art that they've done. You know, what looks like people with space helmets on and whatnot. Do you mm -hmm. think they've been getting these visitations for years? Yes, the, the visitations themselves have been going on thousands of years. Not just something that has happened since 1947, since the crash of Roswell. Um, no, the, this has been going on longer than that. Um, even here in Ireland, we have access to our uh, folklore within within the the island that that goes back several hundred years, and uh, we are able to see the stories there and access those stories that describe craft that we recognise today. Um, so this is something that has been going on for for a very 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 long time. The unfortunate thing is that they didn't have the language or understanding as to what they were seeing. Right. And uh, I'll give you one instance in that uh, at the turn of the nineteen uh, the 1900s, um, one particular eyewitness saw a ghost train come across the sky, which he described as as that very thing, but without the engine, he just described a long silver carriage with windows in the side and mm -hmm. white people sitting inside. Um, that, in, in its very nature, we can easily identify as a cylinder within ufology. Right, right, absolutely. The other thing too that bothers me about all this is that we, as a as, you know, the United, you know, I'm not so much talking about the United States, but all over the world, we think we can handle this stuff. You know, like if the government's involved with it all, they're cocky to think, well, we can handle this. We, you know, if they come, we're going to take care of, the, you know, take care. Of, you know what I mean? To destroy mm -hmm. them. And the problem you've got is that anybody that can fly 
from planet to planet like that, you know, fly through whatever they're flying through, has the technology to hurt us bad. And so for us to be so arrogant, you know, and, and set up communication or, or whatever they've done, it's crazy. Well, um, the book itself also addresses that particular aspect because um, even even that uh, that that uh, perspective of of these creatures coming across the Gulf of Space yeah. is not what it seems, um, and its origins are much closer to Earth than what we actually thought. Um, and and that in itself, that that mask in which they hide behind is one of the key deceptions. Um, because for us, whenever we were tracking the phenomena, we, we had to ignore the mask per se and, and track it by phenomena. The phenomena remained the same, but the mask was ever changing and sometimes twice in a generation. And uh, by, by stripping the mask away, we were able to track the phenomena and that led us back to the gates of Babylon. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Do you think there's hybrids here on earth? Um, to, to a point, yes. Um, alien hybrid. Um, well, um, I would, uh, I would seriously question that. I am not, um, by any means, and I, I, am I not saying that there's no other life in the universe? There absolutely is. We would be very naive to think that. Um, but whether they're coming here is another thing altogether. The problem is, you see, within today's society, we have technology which we are creating, which is outstripping their technology. Okay. Um, and and why we're creating this technology is not necessarily to fight them, is to control us. But that's a different rabbit hole altogether. Right. Right. So there's you know, there's a lot of these little paths that that, <laughs> that you can go down. You know, just go yeah. down for hour after hour after hour yeah, looking yeah. at this stuff. Yeah. Do you think that that, that that we're being deceived? Do you think it's fallen angels and stuff that that that, that, that are coming here instead of aliens? The fallen angels is another deception. Um, again, it's another mask. Another rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, you, you see what what we tend to find on this this particular storyline was something that that reared its head pretty early, but it was something that we were able to track back through the ages, in which you have one particular coin with two sides. And we are the human race are caught in the middle. And the biblical the biblical aspect of angels and demons was just another one of those stories that 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 we get caught up in. And that in itself, you know, you raise a good point um, in in addressing that because archetypes are something that we create, and and that in itself can cause problems. And angels, for instance, didn't appear. Um, they didn't exist, I have to say, before 586 BC. And that was Ezekiel that, that adopted that within, within the, the, the Jewish uh, religion um, so that he could really drive forward this monotheistic idea of, of one, one God rule. Now, the archangels themselves were derived from Babel, Babel, uh, Babylonian planetary gods. They were downgraded to angels, messengers of the one great God. So before 586, they weren't there. Um, but likewise, and this is another side, when we look at the other side of the coin, everybody who's anyone within within the world of the paranormal is very, very aware of, of Lilith, the original demon. Oh, yeah. um, but again, whenever we start scrutinizing Lilith, we find that uh, all is not as it seems. Archaeologist uh, Dinama uh, uh, Belizny, um, in her cataloging of Jewish demons, she notes that Lilith was a combination of two earlier Sumerian demons, Lamashtu and uh, Lilai. Um, and that in itself just shows how far this goes back like you're going back thousands upon thousands of years into the ancient past these things have always been here they've mm -hmm. always been deceiving us and we for whatever god knows what reason we keep swallowing the same story time and time again yeah we do and and, and i don't know why but but we do you know i think it's because you know it's like anything else it's like people forget you know, yeah. as the centuries move, people forget. 
like for instance, and I, I'm not, I don't like to get political, but I know there's people that I've seen, you know, when, when this thing in the U- Ukraine started, there's people I've seen online that have been complaining that we don't put our, put that, that, that the U.S. And, 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 the, and the Brits don't, don't go in there. Mm-hmm. And the U.K. don't go in there. Well, people forget because because the, the, these people, the, this generation now has never lived through a world war. Mm-hmm. So they mm-hmm. don't get it. So I think it's kind of like the same thing that, uh, you know, as the years go by, the, the younger generations or, or, or the centuries go by, people forget about what happened like in ancient times w- with these deceivers. Mm-hmm. And, and the deceit even even runs into, into the, uh, the mainstream even today. Um, and my nemesis um, are the bright ones or the shining ones. They're, they're something that, that have, have really gone to town on uh, within the book. Because these particular beings, they appear uh, usually above or within the vicinity of rocky outcrops or stone plateaus, most notably in, in caves, of course. And these beings will shed this God Almighty light. Um, and, and of course, after the 22nd rule, um, which, which we've coined within the book, um, they have that hook and bait in us at that stage. And, and that's whenever these aspects of love and light and, and warnings for the human race and everything else is coming out. It's all BS from their standpoint. Um, to understand the, the, the Shining Ones, um, it's very, very easy to go back and see the influence that, that they have had on us because the, the Shining Ones themselves, they tend to appear around 10 years, around a decade before a major outbreak of war within within the, the, the world somewhere. Ten, uh, 10 years before war, they appear, and usually within the negative uh, magnetic anomalies. And that's where we tend to find a lot of our businesses associated with that high-end businesses that are, that are making a lot of money out of war. Um, so you tend to find that that crossover and, and connection with the two, but um, the likes of Medjugorje was a perfect example. When uh, in Eastern Europe, when this being appeared, the children were stunned to they weren't able to move. They were stunned with fear. That speaks volumes in the first twenty seconds. If you're afraid of it, it ain't as it, it ain't what it's portraying itself to be. And, and even Lords, Lords was another perfect example. When St. Bridget, when, when this particular being appeared in the mouth of the cave in, in Lords and, and, and was mimicking what Bridget was doing, mm-hmm. uh, at the very beginning, in her, in, in her own words, she did not identify this as being the mother of Jesus. Far from it. She referred to it as that thing. It was the church that took it and smoothed it out, and then it became later known as Our Lady. Um, it was never Our Lady. These things are never there for our benefit. They're there for theirs. Interesting. And I was just thinking, too, I, I just, I just because I do a, sun, a Sunday afternoon read mm-hmm. session, mm-hmm. You know, a certain book, the Mojave Incident, and the, 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 the woman in the story talks about these aliens that, that took them aboard their ship. But then mm. she also talks about the angelic aliens. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. That came to calm her down. But mm. I was like, seriously? You know, they're pu- they're shoving stuff up your wazoos and all this. Yeah. And then you've got yeah, this yeah. angelic one going, don't worry, my child. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah. You see, that there's another aspect to this as well um, with, with the hook and bait. Um, yeah. is that once they have baited us, that's after the 20 seconds. What tends to happen there is that our minds, after observing the phenomena initially, our minds are then being forced into the theta rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the state in which we tend to go into deep meditation. That's the place where we tend to go to for hypnotic suggestion. That's also the place of false memory. That's where they need us into. And, and you get you tend to get this roll-on effect from that. Um, and uh, they're not what they what they seem. Oh, I, I I totally believe that. I totally believe that. Now there have been a lot of um, encounters in the UK. You know, I remember the story. I can't remember which which uh, Air Force base it was over in England mm. when, the, when 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 an alien craft had crashed. You know, mm. there's a lot of stuff that goes on over there. What what is there anything new that that, that you're aware of that that, that has happened? 
No, um, I looked. I looked at that from our own mapping system, and it ended up in a negative anomaly. And what I tend to see is that uh, that when you tend to have these two things going hand in hand and close to an air base, close to a military base, it tends to be their stuff. Okay. Um, and uh, we have to remember when you when you're operating on a black budget, not everybody needs to know what's flying over your head. Sure. sure. I always question, you know, and I hate to say it, you know, people that see like like in Alaska, for instance, people that see the, the triangular craft, because hmm. I, I I don't live close to it, but but I live a few blocks away from an Air Force base here that they used to do uh, repairs on the planes. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing the B-1 bomber come in, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and the stealth bomber. Yeah. And man, those things are spooky. If, if, you know, if it's in the dark. Mm -hmm, they don't mm -hmm. even have the little landing headlights on or nothing. They've just got the, the running lights on the sides. So mm -hmm. I could see how, like you say, how that could be mistaken for a, tri for, for, for a triangle alien craft. It, 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 it can be. However, there are other examples, of course, that we should also consider, which uh, like the Phoenix Lights um, mm -hmm. back on the 13th of March, what, 1994, I think it was. Um, where and it was very very interesting because several of the eyewitness accounts were ignored in that particular aspect in which when the craft passed overhead and bear in mind these were not appearing on radar mm -hmm. um when the craft went over the eyewitnesses heads they saw the lights which formed the triangle uh, clearly but they also said there was no sound with it Sure. Um, and not only that, but there was this, it was like the surface of water rippling between them and the craft. Now that spoke volumes because looking at this, looking at the bigger picture, mm -hmm. those things were behind the veil. That's why we couldn't hear them. That's why we couldn't track them on radar. But they came that close to show this is what we have. See, now that you talk about that veil, that's what I find so interesting because, you know, there's EVPs that you that, that, that you get mm -hmm. that actually sound like they're underwater. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when you talk about that veil that, that, that looks like water, see that, that, like I said, that's the stuff that makes me wonder what we're actually hunting as ghost hunters. Are mm -hmm. we hunting, you know, are we hunting deceased people or are we hunting these aliens? Well, um, again, you know, aliens is just a mask to the phenomenon. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ghosts are a mask to the phenomena. Well, that's the other thing, too. I was just thinking, too. I mean, there's reports that I heard that um, on, on a documentary that I saw where people have, have gone aboard these, these ships or whatever and, uh, you know, to be, re to be seated, I'm going to say that, mm -hmm. and they realize that the person they're looking at that's supposed to be good looking and, and doing their business with them, it's a hologram. Mm-hmm. You know, that they're able to produce some kind of hologram over their bodies to look different. So, like you say, why not use this hologram for other beings, you know, to, to try and make people relax and draw everybody in? Well, it doesn't even have to go to a hologram. Um, once they've got you locked in the conscious brain, they can they can send you, uh, they can show you whatever they want to show you. Sure, sure. Um, so it doesn't even have to be physical. There are going to be physical interactions, of, of course. We we know that, and we can see that from the from the seance rooms of old Europe, where these where these entities will appear partly in solid form, where you're able to touch a hand and fingers and follow the arm up to the elbow. After that, there's nothing. Mm -hmm. They can materialize. They have the ability to materialize. And they have the ability to materialize in daylight and darkness. So this idea that, oh, well, the spirits need darkness to materialize, that's BS. Yeah. Again, that's, that's another deception. They can materialize wherever the hell they want to materialize. Um, and, uh, and, and that's something that we have to get our heads around about the deception. And when we detect deception, we should go at that with a screwdriver and dig deep to try and get down underneath that and find out what's behind it. And I can assure you, if something is there and is, a, is of a positive nature, it will have no problem in answering any further questions. Right. But if you detect that there's deception there and you go after it for that, it will hightail it out of there. That speaks volumes. And like you say, they're able to get into your mind and see in your mind. So, I mean, oh, yeah, they're yeah. going mm -hmm. to be whoever you want them to be. I mean, if, if you're in your house alone and you want to see your deceased mother and they decide to come, that's how they're going to show up. 
There is yes, there is that, and and also within the likes of ufology, you also have the observer effect, where you can have three people observing the same UFO, and, and three people see something different, right. um, much like what you had spoke about uh, earlier on. Right, 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 right. I find this all fascinating, you know, and, and, I, and I agree with you. I mean, over the years as a paranormal investigator, my opinions on everything have changed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it used to be I was gung-ho, okay, it's, it's Grandpa George, it's this, you know, when you're mm -hmm. in a haunted building. But like I said, after after putting, like like after look, doing all the research that way, because I've been doing it 25 years, you know, mm -hmm, after mm -hmm. doing all the research the one way with paranormal and then looking at this other thing with, with this, the, the alleged aliens and all this, mm -hmm. my outlook changed yeah yeah it gets very tricky um when dealing with modern ufology because of the of the technology that we're creating mm -hmm. and and we're and that is not being disclosed to humanity as a whole um, right. because that has become weaponized um so it's it's difficult for us to to uh to really break that apart but we can there are ways in which we can do that. And that's something I'm, I'm going to be delving with with the next book um, in, in which we can start to target this and see, okay, where is this coming from? Is this ours? If it's ours, leave it. Um, if it's theirs, let's go after it. Now, when you talk about fairies and, 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 and say, leprechauns and stuff, mm. they have no connection to any of this at all, right? Because, because, because they were here way before this started happening. They do have a connection with it. Okay, they are they, they are of the same origin. Okay, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. That's what I was wondering. I'm just curious about that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting to think, you know, and it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Even when you look at the Bible and, and you look at the pictures in the Bible of the saints, and they've got like the 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 uh, golden thing, you know, halo over their heads. Yeah, yeah. You know, it all makes a lot of sense because it's a helmet thing, you know, for them to be wearing. And like like you talk about Ezekiel, you know, with the wheel and everything. I mean, it, it was happening way, way, way back when. Mm -hmm. oh, it, it, it has been for, for a very, very long time. But I, I think for, for me, it's, again, it's, it's about challenging what's coming through and also what we're calling on to help us. That's important yes. that we understand the identity of yeah. that phenomena and bear in mind um like the old like the old uh, demons of babylon but when we use the term demons in babylon it's not what we see within christianity today back then they were known as demons for the greek and um, these were these were beings that were also helpful to you they whispered into your ear they were they were the genius if you like of of of, of the seat of intelligence that inspired someone to do something um but if you were being troubled by a demon in your home in Babylon, you then brought in um, a bigger demon to deal with the lesser one. Um, and we need to be very, very careful today that we're not actually repeating history. Mm -hmm. We need to understand what we're calling in, what is the history of that that we're calling in, and do we trust what is coming in? You know, you've done a lot of research. It's very impressive. You know, with this stuff, you know, mm -hmm. I've just started to delve into it the last year or so. Mm -hmm. And everything you say makes sense. It mm -hmm. makes absolute sense. Do you, like you say, do you think, you know, if, if things don't change and people don't wise up that, that we're on our way to like maybe a confrontation with these things, or these things are going to try and, and do something to us? Uh, well, we always go through what history seems to show us is that when we start getting close to the truth, we go through this strange reset. Mm -hmm. Now there's a phrase we've been hearing for the past two years. Mm -hmm. Interesting. You think that this whole COVID nineteen thing was is part of that? Well, who knows? Um, again, I don't want to get you taken off of the air, um, sure. so I'll, I'll say nothing in that aspect. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're good. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Um, now let's go back to um, your ghost hunting history. Mm. And I know you live in the UK. What is one of the most haunted castles that 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 that, that you think is the most haunted castle over where you're at? Um, well, I actually live in Ireland, um, but uh, but certainly from from my perspective, one of the most uh, impressive castles that has got me to date, I would have to say, was down in, in uh, Macroon, okay. uh, down in County Cork, and uh, because it's not it's not it's not every day that you come across a castle that's haunted by a vampire. 
Oh, and, uh, that intrigued me. The, the history and folklore behind that intrigued me. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that was that was something. And then I eventually went down to the castle and I was barely in it 15 minutes and I had to leave. I says, no, I, I have to get out of here. Um, and uh, very, very strange place, very bizarre place. But, um, you know, th there was uh, stories of blood running down the walls and things like that. But uh, a very, um, and it's a very daunting castle. Um, very challenging when you see it sitting on top of a, this huge rock, um, and uh, but yeah, so that that would be one castle that really stands out for me um, against the others. Well, when you talk about a vampire, I mean, what are we talking about? Is it, are we talking like a Bill Lugosi thing, or, or was <laughs> was he doing other stuff? Not not quite, not quite. You see, vampires are not new to Ireland. Uh, we we have we have vampire graves from the 12th century, um, which which are dotted around the island, um, and in fact, maybe seven years ago, I was at an archaeological conference, um, about 10 miles from my home, mm -hmm. in which a presentation was being held by the archaeological department that had uncovered this mass grave and planted on top of the mass grave were two skeletons of vampires. Um, so was it all connected? Who knows? Um, but it was an absolute fascinating find from an archaeological standpoint. Now, why do you think... Well, here's my question. How did they know they were vampires? That's my question. Uh, what we tended to do, um, our ancestors, what they did, instead of using the stick through the heart, um, the Eastern European style or Victorian style, uh, we used large pointed stones, and they were jammed into their into their mouth. Okay. Um, and that was that was seen as a prevention for them to return and and want to consume. Okay, that makes sense because I've I've also heard stories how people would lay big rocks on on, on the bodies too, so mm -hmm. that they they weren't able to rise. Yeah, 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 and that that was also something, of course, that was also used with. Uh, with with witchcraft um and europe of course went through the those horrible times of of the witch burnings and, and everything else a horrible horrible time but you know recently i, I came across some cuneiform tablets um in uh, from mesopotamia that described particular practices in which you spoke about what you were going to do with the witch and this was the type of spell that was going to be used. Now, you didn't physically do this, which included drowning and, and placing stones onto the body um, and things like that. And I thought to myself, my God, that was 3,000, 5,000 years before Europe then finally actually physically did that. And I thought to myself, there, there's a, a wonderful example of, of 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 things coming around and you know these uh, uh, circles of 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 knowledge coming around on itself and just being taken out of context and you know also when we talk about history and what people have to grasp and i think sometimes in the united states it's hard for people to grasp i mean we're lucky if we go back to the to the you know early 1800s over here mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean you guys go way 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 back well, I, I think, in, in fairness to to um, to uh, America as well, you you have a, an absolute vibrant history, it, but not just you know the history didn't start with with the settlers, the first settlers in in America. Mm -hmm. The history was there, um, and and in fact, a lot of the history was even forgotten by by the Native Americans who were who were already on the land. Um, but you have you have the the, the mounds of the, the Ohio mounds and things like that, and and of course these ancient ancient cities and the canyons and things like that. You know there was there was technology there that was beyond the norm, and and in fact you have technology there. You had building styles there that we were using here thousands of years before. But yeah. how did how did you guys get it? Well, yeah, well, there's a big mystery, you know. Were they coming across? Were they sailing across the Atlantic to get to America? Who knows? But it was thousands of years before. Or when you think about the birth of Christ, also, because the Native Americans reported on that too. They were aware of it going on. So mm -hmm. how did that happen? You know, I mean, like you say, what was it? These beings that that, that brought the information forth, or was somebody was somebody sailing? You know, and inventing the peoples. 
Well, you see, whenever whenever you start dealing with with this particular type of phenomena, and and you start using um, oracles, uh-huh. um, and and particular oracles in cave or caves or utilizing stone, then you tended to have this communication that happened. And the majority of these places were hard to reach at the time. You know, you were talking about on top of mountains or or in cave systems or on on on, on lake islands or whatever the case may be. But these people. Were, were having these experiences. Sometimes there was an interpreter there. Um, sometimes you you went and you slept on, uh, at the location and you got your your vision, you got your guidance of what was, was coming through. But for the ancient Greeks, there were two different types. There was one known as the God of Wilderness, which in itself, um, when we look at it, at, at the description, that we would we would identify as Pan this horn god and um, with with goat hooves and everything else and um, mm-hmm. that was one of these creatures that was said to come through but the other one which interested me greatly was known as the word and the word w- was very very interesting because when you encountered that you tended to send in your priests or your your rulers to these locations to get the information from these beings mm-hmm. and they ended up having a variety of topics and um, discussed which usually covered sociology and um, the rule of government uh, economics warfare crime medicine even engineering and science mm-hmm. were all discussed from this information this knowledge was being passed from beyond the veil to here and now but there was always a price came with that because a lot of these areas tended to be within worship sites ancient worship sites where where blood worship was occurring so there was always a price that was being handed over for these issues now roll forward to 1968 mm-hmm. and we find that uh, Douglas uh, or uh, Douglas Aeronautics um they were they used funding to to uh, to use um, uh, or they, they use funding to, to draw information through Ouija board sessions, which they believed wow. they were communicating with aliens to get advanced weapons, or sorry, not advanced weapons, but advanced engine designs. Now, I should point out that I, I have the paperwork at home, the black and white paperwork that shows what they were doing, and I was highlighting red flag after red flag after red flag, wow because they didn't understand what they were messing with. But the topics that they ended up communicating with exactly matched what was happening back in ancient Greece. They were discussing sociology, government, economics, warfare, crime, medicine, engineering, and science. Same phenomena, different mask. Again, it comes around, you know, it, it goes through the centuries, it comes around. That's mm-hmm. fascinating. That's absolutely yeah. fascinating. How do you feel? You know, people. Let's go back to this. You know, because go some some ghost hunters, you know, don't like things like the Ouija board. Some ghost hunters don't mind it. How do you mm. feel about it? Well, we, I, I think I I don't think we should get lost on the Ouija board itself, um, because the Ouija board is activated by intent, and that intent is what opens the door. The problem that we face today in a modern society is that we don't close the goddamn door. Yeah. Um, and it's it's being left open. Now, the moment that we go in there, even one person goes in there with a voice recorder, that intent is there. The doorway sure. is open. Granted, it's a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. But when you've got a Ouija board, you've got pe- you've got four people who are attached to that, which is now quadrupled the intent, the bigger the mm-hmm. door. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to be very cognizant of that, that we have to close the sittings off. Um, mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of folks out there will be will be hard resistant against the idea of occult practices and things like that. But we have to remember that what we are doing and call it for whatever you want. But at its core, what we are doing is an esoteric occult practice. We're calling forward uh, being from the other side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's something I tell I, I tell clients and I, I, I tell my team members is that, you know, you might open that door, but once it's open, not everything nice is going to come through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the problem is, you see, sometimes we end up in a situation where nothing may happen, mm-hmm. but we leave that property. Well, there's no guarantee that something is, isn't going to come through two days later, two weeks, or two months. Right, right. Because we didn't close the door. 
and plus it draws you in. Nothing may happen, or you might get yeah. a little bit of th- stuff, and the next mm-hmm. thing you know, you're going back for more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fascinating. Um, let's just go back a little bit to the legends of the fairies and the leprechauns. What's one of the most recent things that, that you've heard go, going on like that in Ireland? <laughs> oh, I've seen them. I've actually okay. I've, I've photographed I have photographed them. Tell me what they look like. Um, they're like you and me. Okay. Um, they're, they're certainly not like we tend to see in Disney and um, little Tinkerbell and things like that. That's <laughs> nonsense. They, they certainly were not. Um, and uh, and that's that's very very interesting. And you know, I have, I have a fellow fellow researcher um, and uh, and doctor in the north of the country who also wrote a book called The Dark Fairies, and oh. and he made a point of of actually uh, stating that that the idea of a helpful fairy is nothing more than than uh, wishful thinking um, and you know from from an island nation we're very well aware that you really shouldn't accept anything from them mm-hmm. uh, and when you're when you're talking about them you treated them with respect because of fear you were mm-hmm. afraid, afraid of the backlash that may come on to you which is why we call them the good people um and uh, and a lot of these originally in, in their in their own essence uh, again they appeared as shining ones um and we're back to these again and and when we when we push this back there, there's a great book out there by uh, Jeremy Black and Anthony Green um and they examine the Mesopotamian gods and they were known to exude this light this light that was called malam but it was a light that was terrifying and awe-inspiring. And they also produced nigh, which was described as a creeping of the flesh. That is our immune systems. That is our fight or flight, sending out the adrenaline for you to move. That is a perfect example of our body's response, our innate ability to discern the true nature of what is appearing in front of us. We have 20 seconds we need to start to learn to listen to that because after the 20 seconds, that can be overridden by them. When you, um, there's different types of fairies for different things, right? You've got your wood sprites and you've got stuff like that. Can you tell us about the ones over in Ireland? Um, you, you tend to have, you tend to have various, various different types that were identified. Essentially, they're all coming from the same place. Uh, for, for in Ireland, we, we know them as the she. Mm-hmm. And that in itself goes part of the way in describing where they come from, because here and here we have we have great passage chambers, stone mm-hmm. passage chambers that are dotted around our hillsides, and they predate the Great Pyramids of Giza, um, and we can access those twenty four seven, three hundred sixty five days a year for the most part, but uh, the those stone mounds are known as the she. Okay. So when we when we look at one particular entity, which I, I wrote a book a, a, about and, and re-released it there uh, back in March, called the Banshee, this 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 woman who cries and brings forward death. That's that's her. Yep. Um. When when she the the the, the title itself Banshee Ban meaning woman and mm-hmm. she meaning um, which was derived as the fairy. That's actually not quite the case. Banshee means woman of the mounds. And she even even in herself in, in I think it was 1245 AD when she was when she was encountered, she said, I am not of the fairy, but I uh, sorry, I am of the um I am of the she uh, sorry I, I can't remember now. I've forgotten. It's been that long ago, um, but it was something. It was something like she belonged to the, to the, the the mounds. She came through the mounds, but she was of the tribes of hell. Um, and uh, and even even that aspect of hell has a different lineage than what we perceive it to be within within modern Christianity. Um, oh, so how so? How so? Uh, because um, in in the Nordic traditions, pre-Christian traditions, uh, when the body um, was going through this state of, of, of death, the spirit left, the spirit was gone, 
and it ended up going to this place. Um, it went through it went through this gate, um, and uh, and and into this beautiful grassy valley with flowers and everything else, and people there that was ready to meet you, and it was all a wonderful, beautiful place. Um, today we recognise that as heaven, of course. Where you go through the, these large gates and into this this uh, um, beautiful valley place, um, uh, with grass and, and vibrant colours and everything else. But in the Norse traditions, that place was called Hela, whose god who oversaw it, which was her her, her job title, was was also Hela, but also derived from Hell. Hell in itself was seen as a place. It was a it was a halfway point. So when you reached there, then it was like a it was like a bus station. You had a certain period there in which then you found out where you were going next. Um, whereas the soul, the soul ended up um, going to a different place altogether. It went to this place of nothing. Um, what I suppose within Christianity, although it's, it, Christianity pulled it recently, they said there's no such thing as purgatory. Mm, that's actually not quite right because the ancient texts speak of this place of nothing. Um, and uh, and in fact, people who have experienced out of body experiences, um, like Robert Monroe, clinically he was able to release himself and travel to this particular place, in which he described this vast, vast body of water, just sheer blackness, and he says there was something in it, and that in itself were the things that come back to here. That's what we're opening the door to to allow that back here. Ew, yuck. So uh, going back to Banshees, what, mm. what does a Banshee do, do? I mean, you know, is, does it lure people in? Kind of no. like, like, like the Greek sirens or? No, um, what she does, she's actually, I, I had to have, I had to tip my hat to her because she had, there was an ounce of empathy with the Banshee because uh, when she comes to announce that there's going to be a death, there usually is this, um, god almighty scream wailing that that's being produced you can't even describe it um but uh but when when she does this the people around the person that's about to die will hear her mm -hmm. and they will know that death is coming but the person who is dying they do not hear her and i i, I really respected that particular amount of empathy in that aspect in which she didn't scare the people that were passing she announced that death was coming and when you do hear it it immediately kickstarts your fight or flight the hair stands up on your arms and everything else this is not just a case of a fox in the backyard or or a hare being caught in a trap or or some lady out in the street having too much to drink nothing like that those things do not activate your fight or flight Mm -hmm. This is different. And the reason for that is because she's announcing, she's saying, pay attention. Death is coming. So essentially, the Banshee will come in and, and, and get you for death or, or let you know that you're going to die. Kind of like the Grim Reaper over here. Yes, but but um, the, the people who are going to die don't know that they're going to die. It's the people okay. around them that, that are aware that, that death is coming. Okay. The other thing, I, I years ago, and uh, I wish I still had them, Time Life Books actually had a, a series on supernatural legends. Hmm. And I had one for the, for the UK, and one of the interesting legends on there, I don't know if you've heard about this, is if you look in a mirror and you see yourself looking over your shoulder, <laughs> it's a sign that, 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 that you're going to die. I've, I've never, personally, I've never heard that one. But if it, if it is in the UK, well, then okay, um, possibly the, the you know the, they have their own um, folklore and culture out there as well. Yeah, yeah. I was just, just wondering if, if you had heard that one. I just find like like the banshee. I find that fascinating, you know, because like you say, uh, everybody else hears it but you, mm -hmm. so they're going to know you're going to pass. Yeah. Wow. Um, I've, I've, I've heard the banshee. I've heard her three three times now, and it's a very very distinct uh, call. And and once you hear it once, you, you will recognize it the second time. Though I could never ever try and, and explain it. What I just don't have the language to explain it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know when when the book was written um, and the third edition came out in March, um, 
the we interviewed people from around the country, including tourists that were coming to the island. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was very surprised to see within the modern age that she's still very active on the land today. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Very it is considering, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, it's just it's just superstition, it's, it's folklore. Right. But the right. problem is, you see, we have to look at our own lifestyles to appreciate this um, and understand why they're not encountering it. Because for many, we don't walk anywhere anymore. We jump into a car and we switch on the radio and we, right. we, we disconnect from the outside world. Right. And, and that in itself, of course, you know, when, when you're out and, and you're walking around and or maybe the lightness of nights and and you hear her outside um, all those years ago, you know, it, it was a different a different world that they were living in. Has anybody ever seen one? Oh, yes. Uh -huh. I, I, I interviewed quite a few people who had seen her. And how do they describe her? Uh, small. Uh, she would be, she would be, uh, some of them have described her no bigger than, than a newborn baby, um, but shrouded in this, in this white, um, again, you know, we're going back to uh, the Babylonian aspects of, of Malam and, 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 and Nai, um, because you, ha you have to understand as well, those ancient chambers that were being built here in Ireland were being built by the people who came from Mesopotamia. Mm-hmm. And I found references to to a being, to a, a, an entity on in the cuneiform tablets that matched perfectly what we call the banshee today. So that would that that would make sense as to why that came from Mesopotamia to Ireland with the builders of the passage chambers who originated from there. It does make a lot of sense. Now, mm. when you say um, and the other thing that makes sense is when you say that, you know, if you ask a fairy for help for something, you're going to owe them for something. That makes a lot of sense, too, because nothing's for free, you know, even in the fairy world. Because when you look at the Christian religion, too, Satan, when somebody makes a deal, when somebody asks Satan for a favor, he comes to collect. Yeah, we need to be very, very careful the way that we ask for things. Um, and you know, there was a while ago there was a there was a very famous book there was released about how you address the universe and and ask the universe for whatever it is you're 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 looking for to manifest. Um, we need to be very, very careful of that and understand the origins to that because we were told, oh, this this was a great this was a great secret, um, and it was being passed between certain individuals. No, it wasn't 2,000 years ago. It was known as, as a, a Grinholt by the Druids. They knew about it 2,000 years ago. This is not a secret. This is, this is an esoteric practice, but you have to understand where it's coming from. And the other aspect to the, to the asking is that when we ask and we receive, mm -hmm. we accept the deal. So therefore, when the price for that is demanded, months or years down the line it's too late right 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 and um, not, very rarely do these books cover the cost of right. asking absolutely now let's talk about it a little bit because we, we kind of talked about that real quick uh towards the end here um people that encounter these things people that encounter you know demons or, or whatever when they're out even ghost hunting they don't realize that it may not happen right away, you know, where you get affected. It could be like four or five years down, like you say, four or five years down the line that whatever you encountered is, is going to uh, start bothering you. Like, like you could end up with heart trouble or whatever. Right. I mean, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, uh, it can, it can put you onto the slow burner and, and take its time. If you have a healthy immune system in particular, um, it can take a long time for, for that attachment to really secure itself and uh, and get under the skin so to speak um but uh my one one of my other books the uh, the influence it deals with that particular type of phenomena about how to spot that um and what it's doing to us on a biological level and how we can turn that around and and shake shake that off now for somebody that when we talk about closing the door what what's a good way for somebody to close the door like 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 coming out of a haunted location, you don't want something to follow you home or whatever. How do you do that? Or, you know, um, if they're following you home, it's already too late. Um, 
but to close the door to the communication so that nothing else is coming through. It's the same way that you opened it. It's all based on intent and how you visualize that door closing. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I, you know, what we do is we'll just stand there and say, look, you can't come with us. Stay mm -hmm. here where you belong. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, they, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. Uh, as a ghost hunter, if, if you're going to be messing with that stuff, it's gonna, it's, it's gonna happen. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Even today, I still have, I still have things that, that will track me home. Sometimes worse than 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 others. <laughs> I agree with you, Barry. This hour went by really fast. I, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Thank you very much, Charlotte. It was a great pleasure. How can people find you? Uh, they can find me on uh, on Facebook, and if anyone's interested in the new book, it's available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. The audiobook session, I have to say, is fantastic, and they can find that on Amazon.com. Fantastic! I would love to get you on again on a later date and talk more because this has been fun. And like I said, you're 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 one of my idols, and uh, wow. Thank you. So thank you. Much. Thank you very much, Charlotte. And you have a great week over there in California. And don't and, and remember to wear sunscreen. Absolutely. Well, have a good one, sir. All right. Take care. Bye. All right, guys. That was fun. And I, I got to pick his brain. I mean, you don't get to pick somebody's brain like that very often. And uh, th that was great. He's a real nice guy. Tomorrow we're back on our usual time at 6:30 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be talking battleground ghosts, which means we're going to be talking about Gettysburg and, and different other places with Adrian Lee. So he's going to be with us tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. And uh, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five people. Equal opportunity here. Also, if you're interested in ghost hunting, I've got a ghost hunting 101 class that I'm teaching on Saturday. It's going to be taught over Zoom. And uh, I teach you the basics of ghost hunting. I teach you how to how to utilize the equipment in such a way that you can get clean EVPs and, and get real good clean evidence. And I also teach you like, like, like protocols, which can be used in a ghost hunting situation if you have a team or in a situation where you're just going out with your buddies and going to some hotel trying to get EVPs. I teach you how to do that. I mean, we've done EVP work in hotels where they're singing karaoke downstairs and we've still gotten really good EVPs. So there's ways to do it, but you, but you, but, but, but you know, that's what I'm teaching. All right. Following weekend, I'm teaching psychic development level one. Barry was talking about opening and closing the door. That's one thing I teach. I teach you how to open and close the door. So if you're interested in stuff like that, check it out. Go to the California Haunts Meetup. It's all right there. I'm probably going to be posting these things on Facebook at some point, too, and on our website. Radio website, CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. Check it out. It's got all our archives going back two years, two years. Plus, I've got some of the archives from, from when I was on Blog Talk. And that was, that, that was like five or six years worth. So check those out as well. But again, we're looking for subscribers. If you're watching from YouTube, please click on the little ghost with the Sherlock Holmes hat on and the magnifying glass. Because, uh, you know, we're always looking for subscribers. The more the merrier. You, YouTube shows us no love. So we're hoping, it, you know, to just build our, our subscriptions and stuff over there. We've got a lot coming up. I'm going to be teaching how-to classes. Or, or not teaching, but uh, doing reviews on equipment and and showing you how to use the equipment on YouTube. I've got a video coming up for the next couple of days here of 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 us of me doing that with, with REM pod. So I mean, it's going to be stuff like that that we're going to be offering, and there'll be some free classes and stuff out there for ghost hunting and different things. And plus, you know, I, I love doing this. I'm a journalist, photojournalist, and this is what I do. I love interviewing people. And if you go to our YouTube site or even our website, you're going to notice that. We don't always do pure paranormal shows. We do other shows as well. You know, we just did one last week on on, on mentoring youth to keep the, you know to keep them out of gangs and jail. I love doing stuff like that. It's, it's what I do. So again, you know, check us out. You know, there's something on our YouTube. You know, on all these videos for everybody. But anyway, I want to thank you all for coming today. Um, real quick, you see that ticker down at the bottom. That's because we we act as a nonprofit. You know, when we do this stuff, it's all for free going ghost hunting. And even the show, you know, and there's expenses for equipment and and, and different things. And just like, go, go, you know, going to an old hotel to ghost hunt, we got to pay for rooms and stuff. So uh, if, if you could find it in your heart to donate, that would be great. That's paypal.me at California Haunts. Or if you go to Venmo, just type in California Haunts and we're right there. Anyway, again, I want to thank you guys for coming. I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. And uh, let me get to my little corner here. Da, da, da. I'm going to show you uh, Barry's books. 
And I'm also going to show you where you can get his books and his website information so you can go check him out. Okay? I will see you tomorrow. And here's your info. Websites. Charmstealer.com. That's Barry's website. And, of course, the books are My Home is Haunted, Now What? And the complete approach we've got In the Mist of Gods and Banshee. Reception, or I'm sorry, the, the Deception of Gods and Men, or Two Men. And the other book is The Influence. And, of course, those can be found at Amazon.com. And, again, I want to thank you guys for coming. I know we were on early. Um, we're going to have this posted for later on if you want to rewatch it or listen to it. Um, I'm going to be loading it up to the podcast tonight, uh, usual time, 7 730. I'll, I'll be firing this thing off to the podcast. But again, I want to thank everybody for coming, and I appreciate it, and I will see you tomorrow.